Hey everybody, it's December and I can hardly believe it. And this month for the podcast, I wanted to focus on some of the lyrics from the song, Oh Holy Night. This week, we're focusing on the words, a thrill of hope. And when I think about hope, I immediately, instantly think of my friend, Ann Yorks. Ann Yorks is an amazing person, an incredibly smart businesswoman, and she loves Jesus. And she is the epitome of hope and is always turning my face and other faces around me towards the hope that we have. So grab a cup of hot chocolate or coffee or whatever it is that you like to cozy up to when you're listening to podcasts and enjoy hearing from the amazing, beautiful, heartwarming, dear friend of mine, Ann Yorks. Ready? Ready. Ann Yorks, if there was anybody who's normally amazing and amazingly normal that I know, it is you. How do you feel about being normally amazing or amazingly normal? (laughs) I don't know if I fit in either of those categories, but I did grow up literally on Normal Avenue. That was my address. So maybe I qualify. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to be able to control myself after knowing that. I just think that's the funniest thing. I had no idea. Yep, I lived on Normal Avenue and then I moved to Constitution Boulevard and my life changed. No. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what the name of the road I grew up on is? It's called Swamp Bridge Road. I grew up on Swamp Bridge Road. It's <laughs> like a Gilmore Girls street name right there. Oh, I'll accept that. I think that show is genius. Genius. I love Gilmore Girls. <laughs> um, but it's funny because you and I are both 80s girls, right? How old are you? Are you the same age as me? I'm 46. I'm 41. So oh. I was born in 79. So I lived the full decade of the 80s. <laughs> Yeah. And so 80s girls should have grown up on Electric Avenue for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Normally electric. <laughs> yes. So for those who don't know, you're kind of a cookie decorating extraordinaire. <laughs> I'm sure that's how you describe yourself. <laughs> I remember the first time I ate one of your cookies that you decorated. Wow. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was at our friend's, um, Todd and Jenny's house for Father's Day. Yes. I think I ate a cookie that was shaped like a tie. Yes. Actually, it was a center church plant meeting. And I brought cookies to share. And they were Father's Day cookies, like ties and coffee mugs. That's a long time. I mean, that's 10 years ago. That's probably before your business was really kind of off the ground, right? Yeah, I think that is before we were legit or right when we started, actually. That would have been in the very beginning. And the funny thing is, I don't really like cookies. And I tell you this, like, I'm not a cookie person. And the only cookies I crave ever are yours. I don't know what it is, but I just, when they're there, I run for them like a kid after Santa Claus. (laughs) 
Listen, you're totally puffing me up. And I'm okay with that. And flattery will always get you cookies. <laughs> Tell me stuff like that. I'm like, then let me get you more cookies. <laughs> like, so just keep that coming. <laughs> awesome. Well, one thing I do really enjoy about you, and we're really good friends. We we're just talking about that, about just how great it is to be a good friend with someone and Friendship is such a treasure. So I've been treasured our friendship so much. You teach me so much. But one thing that really stands out about you is I think you're a person of hope and you're a person who's also optimistic, largely optimistic. <laughs> like you're, a, you're a glass half full kind of girl, but you also have this deeper hope about you. Just for the listeners, my husband and I do some work for you. Like we do some of your marketing and design and things like that. And I do some writing for your business. And one time we were designing something for you. And my husband's like, that's a lot of exclamation points. And I was like, have you even met Anne? She's like a walking exclamation point <laughs> of just, yes. And, you know, it's going to be good. And directing our eyes towards good things. Have you always been, let's start, let's talk about optimism, first of all. Have you always been an optimistic person for as long as you can remember? I think the answer is yes. I have always been optimistic and I don't know why that is. If it's how I was knit together or if it's something from my mom, I don't know why that is, but I have always been a glass half full person and I have moments where I'm not optimistic, you know, for sure. I don't think anybody's 100%. Like my glass isn't full, it's half full. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, sometimes I do not have an optimistic outlook, but overall, yeah, I think I'm generally an optimistic person. Does that ever come back to kind of bite you in the butt? Do you get optimistic and then things don't go well and then you're like, I should not have been so optimistic or no? To be honest, when I look back at my life and I look at situations where things didn't go how I wanted them to go, I do see God's hand in those situations. And so even if I was really building something up and really optimistic about something, sometimes with some hindsight, I can see how that wasn't a letdown, you know, how God was working that experience. But I have been told by other people that like, I'm too happy. Like sometimes I feel like I need to tamper down a little of my excitement because I just want to chest bump everybody and like, you know, like all everybody be on a team and like do this, be excited. And, and not everybody feels that way. And so now as I'm older, I'm aware that, you know, sometimes a quiet optimism is better than like being in people's faces with it. So, yeah, <laughs> I was in a meeting with you the other week and there was, there were some questions brought up about like, just, you know, the current situation in our world, which isn't a secret, <laughs> you know, and things are just like, what if it was kind of like, what if questions, what if questions, and you brought in this, the statement of, well, we always have choices. We have choices. And it was just like this instant, I, I've told you this before, where I feel like you take all of our 
all of our faces in your gentle hands and you just direct us all towards hope. <laughs> and that's what you did in that conversation where it was all of a sudden like, oh, and everyone just could kind of go, yeah, we'll have choices. That's okay. We'll have choices. And I love that about you among a gazillion other things, but that's what this podcast is about. So that's what we're going to focus on. <laughs> Why don't you tell me, because you are also a woman of hope. And I know for you, your hope goes to a really deep place. I know why you have hope. But can you tell us when you think you began experiencing true hope in your life? I'm not sure I know a specific year of when I felt the reality of my hope in Jesus. My hope is very simple. It's not complicated, but it hasn't always been this real to me as it is now. And I just wonder, like, as I go through my 40s, how am I going to mature in my faith and my hope? And I'm excited, actually, to see what happens because I see what happened in my 30s. But when I accepted Christ, this was 15 years ago. That's for me when a real hope started, really thinking about God having a purpose for my life, understanding what Jesus has done for me, and really having hope in heaven, in a Savior, and, and then really spending the last 15 years trying to understand what does that mean. I think at times, sometimes I'd like to overcomplicate things, but you know, my hope is really pretty simply, firmly on the rock of Jesus. And I felt good feelings in other areas of my life. You know, different times have been really good, but nothing, nothing has been stable like my hope in Jesus. Nothing has filled me with peace and joy like that has. And so... Mm -hmm. I just, I don't really have a time when that started. I think my hope grows just the more I, the more I grow my relationship with Jesus. I feel like happy tears, <laughs> just, you know, realizing um, just how grateful I am that I'm, I'm there with that hope. And at this point in my life, because I'm a mother and I, I want my children to have that hope. And it's not something that I can make them do or have, um, but I hope that they see it in me and in Topher, my husband. And I want that for my kids. I want that for the other people around me that don't know Jesus too. So I, I look at it as optimism. It sounds like it's something, some people are just kind of born optimistic or pessimistic on the other side. And it just seems to be part of more of a personality or mindset you kind of just have. But hope, your hope is more than optimism. It sounds like, it sounds like you're saying your hope is actually grounded in an undeniable truth. And optimism's like, let's just be happy about this. <laughs> or let's look at the bright side. It's, it's, hope is different from just looking at the bright side. To me, optimism is a maybe. Maybe this good thing will happen. But hope for me is a certainty in this expectation. Yeah, I'm kind of done with the maybes. I, I like the, the certainty of my hope in Jesus. I like that. 
optimism is a maybe and hope is a certainty. Mm -hmm. I was um, actually did another podcast episode on this, but on in Romans five. Yeah. And it talks about, well, just the first like five verses. It talks about how trials produce endurance. Endurance produces character and character produces hope. And can you tell me how trials have been used in your life to produce hope? I think the two trials in my life in the last five years, it's interesting because how I walked through those trials were diff was different. In 2016, I was diagnosed with breast cancer and I was 36 and I had a four-year-old and an eight-year-old and I just was like caught off guard, just didn't expect that to be part of my life story. I just felt too young. I felt like I had too much going on in my life like that just didn't seem to fit. And, you know, the reality is it doesn't fit into anybody's life story. <laughs> and so I... I had a hard time with that diagnosis and uh, my diagnosis was, uh, I was caught really early and um, that was a really good thing. So I had a really good outlook. So as an optimistic person, you know, you think that I would be just like really glad about that, but I had, and I was, I was really grateful for that, but I had a lot of fear during that time, just didn't feel good during the treatments at all. and a little bit felt like I didn't even know how to talk to people about it. And so a couple of my really close friends knew, my family knew, but I didn't know how to talk about it. And so I didn't even tell anybody at my church and just kind of went through this a little bit without like a support system and almost like felt like I just need to put my head down and get through surgery and treatment and the things that come with having cancer. And then I kept my head down and just walked through the steps of getting it done and almost didn't even, I can't even remember anything from that time, to be honest, like how I connected with God. I just, I didn't know what to do. I was so caught off guard. So I didn't really have a ton of connection with God during that time. I know my husband and I prayed and, but I didn't feel connected during that time because I was just in a bad situation and not myself. The next year, 2017, I don't know that I fully had worked through all of the emotions that went with having that cancer experience, but my mom was, had also had cancer and she was, you know, towards the end of her life and we knew that she would need help. And she was at that point where she needed to move in and live with somebody. So we made the decision to bring her into our life, and into our house. Um, she was our next door neighbor. It wasn't a huge change because we were already really close. And so this situation, right the year after having my own cancer experience was really hard because I was helping her and I loved her uh, so much. And But I also had these other feelings of fear that my cancer was going to come back. And I just felt nervous about that in addition to the stress of taking care of somebody that I loved at the end of their life. I have a really good friend, Ann Arbor, and she just just helped me to invite God into this situation 
and to turn to God, to not rely on my own understanding, but trust in God's way to work this situation out. And, and so I decided to do that. And so I decided to really pray, read my Bible, dig in. And um, it was just a completely uh, different experience once I turned turned it over to God and really put my hope in God's plan and purpose. The hard part of losing a parent after my mom passed away was really difficult. And yet, even in the middle of that grief, there was some some peace in that because God was very close with me and very real. So now I don't think my hope has ever been stronger. Like I, I wonder sometimes if people go through those experiences. And I think when I went through my cancer experience, I went through that and came out a depressed, sad person. And what, like, after all the treatments were done, I was physically cancer free and this was good, but like in every other way, I was like not good. And then the second trial that I went through losing my mom, I went through that experience. And when I came out on the other end, I just think my faith, my hope has never been stronger because I really did trust in the Lord. And I can, I can remember specific ways that he worked in all of those situations that I was really scared about and just so grateful. And I just, you know, the the irony of it all is like, I just wish my mom was here so I can tell her, you know, that happened because my mom was a super faithful person and just had a lot of hope in Jesus. And so I don't know that trial as hard as that was to go through. And I just wish I didn't have to go through that. I wish my mom was still here. I am so grateful because I don't think I would have this kind of hope that I do today. I um, watched a little bit from the periphery, I guess, as you went walked through that with losing your mom. You and I weren't as close of friends then. Um, and that was in 2017, is that what you said? And yeah. then my mom very suddenly passed away in 2018. And two, two things helped me go through that with my mom. One is I'd watched my husband lose his dad um, several years earlier. And I watched God provide joy and peace for my husband in the midst of that and watching you, you know, and hearing you talk on, on this side of losing her about the hope of Christ and how these trials can actually, uh, they don't have to take us out of the knees to a point where we're just utterly despondent and 24 seven in despair because of Jesus and watching my husband and watching you helped me look at my situation of struggle in a healthier way. So I think it's really true that with your mom and that grief and that whole process, sharing that with others, then actually translates into strength for other people and wisdom. It produces hope in other people too. Like if Anne went through this hard thing and came out still full of hope in Christ, then I can too. Yeah. I just needed, I needed God so much during that time and God was there. And so sometimes now, since that time of my life, if I'm going through something that seems difficult, I always remember that, that 
God never left me, not even for a minute. It just, it's very encouraging, the strengthening through the trial. It is obviously, obviously hard to go through anything difficult, you know, and just having the opportunity to remember how God worked during that time. It's awesome. Yeah. And that Romans 5 scripture about trials producing endurance, producing character and producing hope, the the choice is to endure. Mm -hmm. Like that's where our choice comes in. And it sounds like and part of endurance is, um, well, a friend of mine, a dear friend of mine is coming up on a year of having lost her husband. And the analogy she gives, she, she said that she'd heard that um, with the Titanic, if they had chosen to just hit the iceberg straight on, instead of trying to go around it, there actually would have been a lot less lives lost or a much less tragic situation, but they're choosing to go around it. And so she says with this grief, I'm determined to just go through it instead of trying to go around it because I know that's the right way to do it. And for me, that sounds like what endurance is. Like I'm just choosing like God's with me and we're going to go through this together that yay, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil because you're with me. Mm -hmm. That seems like that's what a lot of endurance is, which then produces the character. I agree. Um, that going there isn't always a way around it and we um Tofa and I discussed was it a good idea to bring my mom into our house with two young children like we're adults and we think it's going to be hard on us what about our children and we decided that this was going to be hard no matter what and we just were committed to walking through this experience with our children. And we did protect them, of course, from certain things, you know, but generally we walked with them. And after we lost my mom, you know, we were all, we were all very close family and my girls, it was a hard loss for them too. And we walked through the grief with them as well. And I know everybody's decisions and choices in life are different and and it really does vary. But for that particular instance, in that moment in time, walking through that with our girls ended up being a really great opportunity for them and to shield them from that. I don't think that would have been a benefit to them. Hmm. Aren't you grateful for two things? One, like the Holy Spirit tells you what your kids need. Even if somebody else might say, no, that's not a good idea, but you knew what God's asking you to do. And then you had the unity with your husband about it, which is uh, such a great safety net of sorts, you know, the unity in that. Yeah, absolutely. I know another thing about you is you love God's word. And I feel like you're, every time I hear that you're in the word, I'm like, I'm going to get in it more too, because <laughs> I'm in the word too, but I just, I just like continually, um, I don't know, we I talk and scripture talks about speaking to each other in Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And I think about that with you. I think about so many times we're in conversation, scripture just comes out of your mouth because that's what's inside of you. So do you have any scripture verses about hope that have helped you along the way? Yeah, I do. Actually, let me just pick this up. This is you know, and a lot, you know, what's funny is a lot of times the, the scripture that comes to mind is like the scripture that is, is shared a lot, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't have some like secret special Bible verse, I guess is what I'm saying. <laughs> well, 
like <laughs> I have a friend I'm praying for and I was like, Lord, I'm like a, a scripture to pray over her, you know, just one I can kind of anchor on. And the one he led me to was Proverbs three, five, and six, which is trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, all your ways. And the reason I know that one is because I know the song I can, <laughs> but I was like, Oh, this is like such a normal verse that I'm so used to, but it's so powerful. <laughs> God's word is so powerful. No matter how well known it is or isn't. Yeah. That verse actually, um, is one that is a regular for me. Hmm. And in the very last days of my mom's life, my aunt and uncle came to visit and my uncle quoted that verse to me. And I don't know that verse, I have a little, uh, verse like Bible cards or whatever. And that one is, um, that was the first card on the top of the deck of cards. And I decided I'm not going to move to the next card. I'm not going to read the next card until I fully commit to this verse and like really lean on the Lord and not my own understanding. And so this is like, I got these cards, I don't know, years ago. And I've never moved to the next card because I just always want to be reminded of that <laughs> verse. So next three, five through six is definitely one of them. Um, the other one that I love to remember, and I'll share this with my friends, um, even if they don't, even if they don't know God or don't have a relationship with Jesus, um, is Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you hope and a future. And I have a friend who's going through a really hard time and I looked at her right in the eye and she's really wondering what her future is going to be like. And I said, God has a plan for your life and it's a good plan. <laughs> and she just, her eyes filled with tears. And I don't know if anybody had ever said that to her before. I don't even know why I said that to her. But I just knew I needed to tell her this. And so I think when you take that Proverbs, not leaning on your own understanding, and then remembering that God has a good plan, not just a plan, but a good plan, that is the hope that I want to be resting in. That is where exactly where I want to be. I'm going to take a moment and just read that whole Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, because I started it, but I didn't finish. Yeah. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding and all your ways know him and he will make your paths straight. And then this is what it continues to say, verses 7 and 8. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. This will be healing for your body and strengthening for your bones. It's like a <laughs> mic drop. Wow. <laughs> It is. No wonder that one's so popular. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, undoubtedly, everyone listening has some degree of trial they're going through. And some are probably greater than others. Now, not that we want to compare trials because our trial is as great as it is to us. That's our experience. But I feel like there's probably a handful of people listening who are on the brink of despair and just hopelessness. Do you have anything that you would say to them? Or here's the other thing. If somebody is friends with someone who's at that place, 
what would you tell that person to do for them? What, what should we do for someone who's in that place? Or what are some tangible things we could even do? You know, just be your and self and how to help someone (laughs) who's in a place of utter despair or hopelessness. Yeah. I, out of curiosity, wanted to just know what's the opposite of hope? Like what word is the opposite of hope? The opposite of hope is despair. And I don't want anybody I know, I don't want anybody in the world to be living in despair. And so, but especially the people that I know, I would say the first thing I would say to them is I'm available and I'm here for you. I think being available to people is just a really good step in the right direction, being available because everybody's busy. Nobody wants to inconvenience anybody. But yeah, I'm available. For the person that's feeling hopeless, I wish I could say that I never feel hopeless, but that's not true. Sometimes I do, my hope meter is low. And so for me, a regular plug in with Jesus is what keeps me from despair. So if I'm on that brink and I just know something's off in my life, And, you know, I really need to just be plugging in with Jesus. I think some circumstances can be so debilitating that you might feel like you can't even pray or you can't even read your Bible. And in those circumstances, I would say your faith, it can be as small as a mustard seed. And if you can cling to that truth that Jesus shared, that you do have this hope that is going to get you through when you're at the point of not being able to pray or read your bible i think just calling out sometimes just just like saying jesus's name you know Mm -hmm. jesus i need you i don't think it has to be some eloquent prayer or big words or long bible study but just reaching out i think jesus answers that call just Praying and trusting when when it seems so hard. It's amazing. Anytime I don't want to do something, like if there's a Sunday where I don't want to go to church or I don't want to go to Bible study or whatever, if I just push myself just a little bit to get there, I find there's a renewal. And so just pushing into that prayer, pushing into that trust. I would tell people that are on the brink, don't give up. And I think that comes back to that Romans verse of endurance, just that God has created us to be more capable than we can ever realize. And with him, we, we can do these hard things. And with him, we can get through hard situations. And then finally, um, when things do feel hopeless for me, I take some time to just really remember specific ways that God has worked things out in the past and seen God's hand in the details of um, of my life and and so it's not just remembering oh yeah that you know God God really helped me during this time no um, God provided this nurse to help with this particular trouble and this happened. And I remember very specific things because I just find that that remembering gives me the confidence to know that God will do it again. 
sometimes this world is so full of despair and I, 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 I'm bummed out about that. But sometimes you have to unplug, I think, from the world. And so the other thing is, you know, unplug from the news, unplug from social media and give your brain and your heart a rest from reading the despair. I personally don't want to live in a bubble where I don't know what's going on in the world around me because I I want to be praying for people and I do I do think it's helpful to know what's going on, but I think there is a limit to what our brains can handle. And so just that unplugging from those sources of despair that feed into our hopelessness and then plugging into areas of hope, whether it's a good friend, reading your Bible, spending time in prayer, connecting with your husband, is unplugging from a bad situation and plugging into a good situation. Hmm. I'm friends with people that are going through hard times because I don't know anybody that hasn't gone through a hard time, to be honest. And I do agree we can't compare our hard times to each other because it is difficult in the moment, no matter what the situation is. So I will tell them and show them and point them to hope with everything that is within my ability. And I will pray for them. And if they're open to it, I will pray with them. That's something new. I didn't, I in you know, when I first became a Christian, I wasn't comfortable praying out loud. And so um, now I am comfortable praying with people and I'll say, can I pray for you right now? Like, I don't even want to miss the opportunity to pray for them. I regularly call people that I know need a check-in. I try not to pity people or feel bad for them. I try to really see them as a really amazing, creative person, just how God made them. And I think when I don't pity people, um, but I just, you know, love them for how awesome they are, I hope that they feel that and recognize that they are special being available, doing sometimes, you know, if somebody isn't open to praying with you, you know, buying them a coffee, doing nice things for them, any little act of kindness can be a little ray of hope in somebody's life. (laughs) So there's a lot of ways to be creative with that. And even sharing a song with somebody, you know, just sending them like a Spotify link or something like that, just simple things like that. I don't know, people can get super creative with just how to reach people, but you have to be available. You can't be so caught up in your own junk that you're too busy to see somebody that needs some help around you for sure. And the first thing is like, as soon as you do that, as soon as you reach out and make that connection, there's just like this blessing. It just, it's like two hours. It's just going back and forth between you. And God can do some really wonderful things in those situations. So, uh, but the endurance sometimes with friends that are really struggling, um, I think when you're a friend of that person, you need endurance. You know, you don't want to fall asleep and you do want to be uh, available to them. And there have been times where I've let balls drop and I've been feeling bad, like, oh, I'm a terrible friend. Why did I do that? And I'm like, you know what? There's no time for that now. I need to call this person and connect and I'm not going to feel bad. I'm going to make a change and do this. So if you've ever, you know, lost track of a friend that you knew needed your help, 
don't feel bad. Just reconnect. Okay. I am. Um, that's great. I'm just going to kind of go over some of the things I heard you say. For those who are in despair now or on the brink, one, you said regularly plug in with Jesus. It might be as simple as saying just Jesus' name over and just saying, I need you. It doesn't have to be a full length Beth Moore Bible study. <laughs> Two hours of prayer. Um, the second thing he says, don't give up. So have endurance. The fourth thing was remember, remember what God has done specifically for you before. The fifth thing was to unplug. You need to give your brain a rest from reading things that are about despair and then reconnect, like plug in, unplug from that and then plug into something meaningful relationships that are meaningful to you. So those were four great takeaways for that. Um, and then for those who have someone who's in despair and you're trying to be a good friend to them and love them, the number one thing you said was to be available. And I'm sure that has its own boundaries that come along with that, depending on what the relationship is and what your life is like, but just an availability that they know you're there for them and asking them if you can pray with them in the moment, um, checking in with them. And I like how you said, you don't, don't pity them, but just love them for how awesome they are which I think is really beautiful because sometimes people who are in despair can feel like a project, which feels like a pity move. So fifth thing, do nice things for them. Buy them coffee, give them a cookie, <laughs> give them a bookmark, share a song with them, you know, get creative and in, in how they might receive love and support. Another thing too, I had um, a friend recently who's, who's in despair and there really wasn't much I could do. I did connect with her personally, but I just felt like I asked the Lord, what, what should I do? And I felt like he just wanted me to go, um, in the morning, early morning, every now and then, and just sit on her front porch and pray. I wasn't with her. She was still sleeping, but I would just go sit on her front porch swing and just pray for her for an hour, just trusting that God was doing something, even when I wasn't physically doing something with her. So just the power of prayer, the Holy Spirit will help you know how to support somebody, right? Yeah, I love the Holy Spirit. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know why that makes me laugh, um, but I depend on the Holy Spirit for everything. Making decisions is one of them. I feel the guidance of what to do. And so I do think, you know, Andy loves to say about the nudge. Yeah, you know, my husband, Andy. Mm -hmm. And I just, when I feel that nudge, um, just to be aware of that. Um, yeah. All right. So the title of this episode is a thrill of hope, which is a line from a holy night. And this month, you know, it's Christmas month this December. Do you have something like a favorite Christmassy thing you'd like to share? A favorite Christmas song, favorite Christmas movie, a favorite Christmas tradition, a favorite Christmas sweater. <laughs> I don't know. I absolutely love Christmas season. And so we have family traditions. We have favorite songs and we have favorite movies. We don't have a ton of traditions, but the ones that we have, we really stick to them. So one tradition is we eat cookies for breakfast on Christmas. It's the one day of year that we're allowed to do that, which is really fun. We also uh, love to set up our nativity set. And that's a huge family tradition. We unwrap each figure and we don't know what it is, but if you, if you find Mary 
Joseph or baby Jesus, you get a little treat. And so it's kind of like, I don't know if that's a bad thing or not, but we, um, that's really fun. And then uh, we always watch the very first episode of Little House on the Prairie. And I, this is like, I know this is so dorky, um, but I love Little House and I'm, I've come to terms with this. But there is a Christmas scene in this. It's like a two-hour movie. And we usually watch it on December 23rd. We take that night to be calm. We watch this movie. And we, it's just so... It is so heartwarming. So, um, yeah. So those are the, and song, I love Oh Holy Night. I tried to, I called Josh Groban to try to get him to be on this podcast and he had another commitment, but his, his rendition is my favorite. <laughs> well, Josh, since we know you're listening, <laughs> next time, man. <laughs> So the Little House movie is the first the first episode ever of Little House. Basically. It's the pilot, and it's a two hour movie, and it just I don't know. It just we all love it. Well, actually, I don't. I don't even know if we do. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's nothing like watching ma and pa and the kids be happy with a little like corn husk doll to make you feel grateful about all the things. Well, I don't want to spoil anything <laughs> for any listeners, but there is in the Christmas scene what they get for Christmas. I do always say to my kids, see, look what they got for Christmas and look how happy they are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're great examples for us, <laughs> the Ingalls family. Yes. Well, let's see if I can find a link to that. I bet it's on YouTube or something. I could probably link to it somewhere, but I'll do my best to find a spot to put that in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm grateful that you're my friend. I'm grateful that we get to work together too. And I'm grateful that you are in the world because you make the world a better place. And I love how God uses you because you are a light to the world. And I'm thankful for you. Thank you for being like a lighthouse. You're like a beacon of hope to so many people. And people may not even realize that what they're brushing up against is Jesus, but they go a little bit deeper. They're like, oh, that's the reason for the hope that she has. So thank you for being on the show. You're great. Thank you for having me right back at you. I just adore you and think the world of you for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you grew up on Normal Avenue. That's. <laughs> I did. <laughs> That's my favorite and fun fact actually now. 